0: We are in Hebrews chapter 13. Remember in the book of Hebrews, in the epistle to the Hebrews, these are Jews that are living in Judea, outside of Jerusalem. And they are thinking about going back into Judaism. These are He's speaking to believers, people who have accepted Jesus. They're thinking about going back into Judaism to avoid what they think is going to be persecution from the Jews. And He's telling them, you can't do this or you're going to die. You're going to die physically. You're going to end up in Jerusalem. This is in about 66 to 68 A.D., and the onslaught from the Romans is about to occur. It says you're going to end up dying in there. You don't have that option. And this is the last book, the last part of this letter to the epistle to the Hebrews. So it's as if a father is sending his son off to war. This is the last word that he's going to be able to leave with them before this, this great persecution is going to come. What are the last things that you would say to your son before you send them off to war? Or to your daughter before you send them off to war? What is the last thing that you would say? This is what the culmination of this book is, and that's the portion that we are in. And we are at verse 7 now. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember those who led you, who spoke the Word of God to you, and consider the result of their conduct. Imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, and today, and forever. Okay, so, focusing in on this verse for a while. Remember those who led you. Remember. The whole idea of remembrance. He doesn't say study their history. Read their biography. He says, no, remember them. Use your mind... To remember those people who led you, who spoke the word of God to you. So what he's doing, he's calling upon them to remember the people that had instructed them in the faith, in the faith of Jesus Christ. Remember those people. And he said, consider the result of their conduct. Imitate their faith. Look at what the Lord did with them. Many of them gave their lives for Him. That's what he's saying to them. Many of the apostles by this time had already been killed. And he says, consider the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. They went through great persecution, imitate their faith. Be like those who led you. Be like those who instructed you. And so I was, I was reflecting back on the men who had instructed me. I got saved at the age of 18 when I gave my heart to the Lord. I came under really good instruction by the, by the time I was 19, I came under the instruction of some very Godly men that poured themselves into me and spoke the word of God into my life. And I want to tell you a little bit about their lives and and the way that they spoke into my life and the things that happened. And I have got you at the best age. I've got you at this super impressionable age where you're no longer in your parents' home, but you're no longer out in the real world. You're still in this this, uh, uh, sort of limbo uh, between the two. And this is where I've got you. And it's really important that I've got you at this age. And the reason for that is because your minds are still impressionable, your hearts are still impressionable. My occupation is only to spend a little time in the classroom teaching undergraduates or graduate courses. The vast majority of my time is teaching students in a laboratory where it's not talked about as lecturing, it's talked about as mentoring. So I teach them, I instruct them, I want them to capture, how do you innovate? I want them to see the dialogues that go on. What do you do when you take a group of people and you teach them to innovate? You teach them to come up with new things that nobody has ever thought of before. How is that done? There is something that is captured here. And so often I see it that when my students leave my group, they may go on and do a postdoc in another group. But when they establish their own research groups, they very often pattern it the very, by the very pattern that I have given them in the group. And then I know that they've caught it. What happens is sometimes 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds that are in a transition in life, they say, hey, you know, we want to work for you. I said, I don't accept, you know, you've got to get accepted by the university. You can't just come into my lab." No, 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 we don't want to get paid or anything. We just want to learn from you. Come into your group and learn. Learn how you do this. Say, it's not going to work. Because I've done this before. I've tried it. When you're in your fifties and you come into my laboratory and I instruct you in things, you've already got your own way. They say, no, 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 I'll do it. And every time it happens, they'll give me a manuscript. It's junk. And I start correcting it and putting marks all over this manuscript as I would any other student who works in my group. And they go away, they give me a revised manuscript and it's got all the same problems again. I'm like, didn't I tell you that this font is too small on this plot? The font has to be larger on the y-axis. And it, you, don't, you, you turn it in this direction, not this direction. And they look at me like I'm crazy. I say, that's why it doesn't work. You're not impressionable. You can't change. Mentoring is teaching you something that you're going to follow. But when they're in their 20s, I've got them. When they're 20s, I just pound on them once and they, they learn from that. If it happens a second time, I guarantee you it'll never happen a third. I've got them. The man who spoke into my life, the the first one who really spoke into my life was a a man named Dr. T.E. Koshy. He was the evangelical chaplain at the university and he also was the pastor of the church that I was in. He taught me. He taught me how to read the Bible. He used to say this. He used to say, you get your Bible, you get on your knees and you say, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. Read it from beginning to end. From Genesis to Revelation. When you're done, you start again. Same pattern. I've kept for 40 40 years. And he said, "Lord, speak to me. Speak to me through this text, because the word of God is alive." He taught me how to pray. He instructed me in the word of God, and it's not like I had loads and loads of time with him. But when he'd see me, he'd say, "Hey, boy, come here. Come here. Come here," and I didn't mind. I wanted to learn from him, and I'd watch the way he would handle situations. He is saying to them, "Look at the people who went before you," and Dr. Koshi passed away a few years ago on the the speaking circuit. I mean, he died in the saddle. That's where I'd like to be, preaching the Word of God. You go just preaching the Word of God, not, you know, retired at some ranch. And No, I want to be, you know, testifying of the Lord when I go. He says, consider their conduct. Imitate their faith. There was another man at that time. His name was Brother Bhakt Singh from India. He used to come and visit our church. And this man had started over 600 churches in India. He's often called the Apostle from India. Just tremendous, powerful ministry. He was in his 80s at the time, late 70s when I first met him. Powerful, just watching his life. Very quiet man, but when he would stand up to take hold of the Word of God, he would just preach it with power. I used to say, Lord, make me like that. Lord, do that in my life. Make me like that. Let me imitate their faith. Let me imitate their earnestness, Lord. Do that in my life. And so, so that it, you know, there's a portion in uh, um, in Titus in Titus chapter two, verse verse uh, Titus chapter two verse fifteen, where he, he goes at eleven through fourteen. He talks about all these things about Jesus, and he finishes up with this in verse fifteen, Titus chapter two. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. So often I have felt inadequate for the task in preaching the Word of God. And I go back to this verse. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. The Word of God fills us with power. It fills us with the power of God. The Word of God does this. If we learn how to take the Word of God, not preach ourselves, but preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified, He fills us with power. And so few Christians ever get hold of this. This man had it. I said, Lord, let me learn that. He says, let no one disregard you. So no matter what the audience, I say, Lord, do this. And he begins to remind me. You take these things, speak, exhort, and reprove with all authority. Meaning, I'm standing with you with all authority. Let no one disregard you no one disregard you. He fills us with power. There was another man, his name was Richard Dickinson. He was he was much older than me. I, I used to look at him like an old guy. He was twenty nine years old. And I was I was twenty at the time. And and uh you know, he was old, he was already married. I mean it's just... <laughs> and uh so I remember he used to take us, we lived in this little discipleship house and he used to take us door to door witnessing, he'd send us out Two, two, two by two, we would go out and we'd knock on doors. And, uh, and then we'd come back and we'd, we'd sit around and we'd talk about it. I remember the first time, man, I was terrified. What am I going to say? I don't know the Bible that well. Just send us out. He didn't worry about it at all. Just send. You'll, have, you'll, you'll figure out something to say. And we did. And we always came back with stories of how God had blessed us. It was from that teaching, from that time as a 20-year-old going door to door that has taught me not to be afraid to share the Gospel. All sorts of situations I share the Gospel. Where did I learn that? I remember these men that instructed me. These men that went before me that would do it in front of me. And I'd learn these things. And He tossed me out into these situations. He says, remember these men who instructed you. Imitate their faith. Think of the outcome of their lives. Imitate their faith. After that, there was another man. His name was Delmore Brosma. He uh uh professor at, at, uh, at the university when I was in graduate school. And he was also the pastor of the church. And from him, I saw modeled how you could have a regular profession and still pour your life into the body of Christ. Pour your life into the body of, the cri- of Christ. How you could have a job and still be intimately involved with people's lives in the body of Christ. He demonstrated it to me. And I used to watch his life and how he would handle difficult situations. I would watch them and see what they would do. And I would see people come and ask him questions and I'd just stand back and watch. How's he going to answer this one? You know, how did he handle these situations? I learned from him. And did, did these people say things that, that upset me all the time? All the time. You know, teaching people These days, I mean this generation, I mean in in 2018, it's like walking on eggshells. I don't know what I'm going to say that's going to upset some of you and make you want to go away. I don't know what it is. Any little thing. Oh, you said something that bothered me. I would never desert these men. Never. I was in their church. I would never desert them. My wife takes these prayer sheets that you guys fill out. You should see her all week. She prays over these things every morning. She's taking these prayer requests that you scribble on there, praying over these things. And then sometimes she'll say, whatever happened to so-and-so? I haven't seen them for for weeks and weeks. I say, I don't know. I don't know. And then I'll see them somewhere. I say, hey, how are you doing? I haven't seen you for... Oh, I'm, don't worry. I'm going to church. I'm going somewhere else. I say, oh, okay. I never would have done that to these men. And if I had... For some reason felt like I should be somewhere else, I would have told them. I never would have just dropped them. I'm like, did I say something? Did I say something to bother you? Did I say something that offended you? These men offended me all the time. That's good. I needed to be offended. My life was a mess. I needed to be offended. Looking in, uh, looking, uh, second Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. For the time will come, 2 Timothy 4, 3, for the time will come when they will no longer endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. We have to guard against this. If you're not being offended in church, maybe you're in the wrong church. I mean, we should be convicted. We should be challenged. This is the whole thing about the Word of God. Just because somebody says something and our pastor's perfect, never. They say things, so am I going to abandon them because they said something that hurt my little feelings? What are you going to do when you get in a family? What are you going to do when you get a spouse and that spouse says something that you really don't like? You're going to just say, well, I'm out of here. What are you going to do? You learn from these men. I was instructed by these men. After Dr. Grosma came a man named Buck Hatch. I was a young professor. I, w- I started on the faculty at the age of 28. Young professor, so unsure of myself in so many ways. Really, my, my self-esteem was like like nano-sized. And and uh, um, and I used to meet with him. And uh, um, and Shereen and I met with him. He taught family counseling at a local Bible college. And somebody told me about him and I said, you know, I need some help with this. And uh, he met with the two of us and he said, Jim, I just want, you know, after I've heard the two of you, he says, Shireen is a normal sinner. You, though, are a messed up sinner. <laughs> and so he wanted to meet with me one on one. And I said to him, help me then. Help me. He said, if that's your attitude, I can help you very quickly. If that's really your attitude, that you're coming for help. I can help you, no problem. And then we got done with that session. I I said, how much do I owe you? He says, you don't owe me anything. I said, no, no, the payment for the counseling session. He was a professional counselor. He says, I don't take any money. I said, all right, let me, let me. He says, listen, I know you can't afford it. I said, well, let me pay a portion. He said, it's all or nothing. He would never take a penny from me. He was so interested in my life. He used to come to my class, my lecturing class in organic, teaching organic chemistry at the university and just sit in the back and just sit there with a smile. He was in his 80s and he used to just smile. He said, I know God's got great things for you. I know what he's going to do in your life. And he said, this whole insecurity that you have, he says, I wish I had a magic wand. I could just wave it and it'd be gone. He says, but I'm here to tell you, you will always have that. You will always have that. And in spite of it, God's going to use you. In spite of it. And that's all I needed to hear. That I could never expect this to go away. But in spite of it, God would use me. This is what the men of God put in our lives. This is what happens. Turn back to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. This is what it says. It says, remember those who led you who spoke the Word of God to you and consider the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. We are to imitate the faith of those who have gone before us and instructed us in the Word of God. We're to look at the outcome of their faith. Each one of these men that I told you about, they lived their lives right to the end serving the Lord. Right to the end. They never retired. They just continued going. And so the the only two that are still alive from that list are are Richard Dickinson and Del Brorsma. All of the other ones have gone 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 on to be with the Lord and they all just served to the end of their lives. Consider their conduct. This is what Christian service is. This is what Christian life is. I've never been paid, never have I been paid a single thing for the ministry of the Word of God. Never. This is the way I like it. You don't have to be a paid minister to minister the Word of God. You don't have to be a paid minister. Many of these men that I just told you about, they, they, they weren't paid people. Del Brosmer was just a professor, but he threw himself to being a pastor of a church. I'm not a pastor of a church. He's got a little group, and you know, and I, pastors have to be nice. I mean, they have to smile all the time. I'm a professor. I don't have to smile, and people say, oh, he's a professor. He's supposed to be grumpy. (laughs) And they, and they cut me all sorts of slack. This man was a pastor. He poured himself out and he never took any money. He never took any salary. Crazy. He just lived his life. And then when he retired from, from the university, he just lived off his, his retirement fund from the university. He wouldn't take it up. Never took an offering for himself. Never. This is what was modeled to me. You take those who instruct you. There's another man whom I have never met that is has this to me, and that's Charles Spurgeon. I love that guy. I devour his writings. I read Charles Spurgeon's books for, for the last 17 or 18 years. I've been reading his books continuously, the same books, over and over and over again. And I learn from that man. Again and again I learn from that man. I see how he, he was the prince of preachers. And then i pray in the mornings, i say, Lord, make me like Charles Spurgeon. Make me like that man. Do that in my life. This is what we're supposed to do. He says, remember them. Consider. The, remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the result of their conduct. Imitate their faith. And then there is this desire at times to think, well, you know, I worked with these guys 35, 40 years ago a long time. You know, things have changed. You know, this is 2018. we got smartphones and they didn't have all this. Times have changed. You know, culture's changing. You know, things drift in, you know. The next verse says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. He never changes. His ways never change. The Bible doesn't change. Cultures change. In fact, they become more wicked. But you think that the things that are going on in our culture are just new things? You you read what was happening in Corinth. They were more extreme than us. We're going in that direction, but they were more than extreme even than our own culture. Men sleeping with their own fathers' wives in the church of Corinth. So the father had an, another wife and this kid sleeping with him with, his, with, with, with this woman. And Paul says, you can't. You got to deal with the issue. This is the stuff that was going on in Corinth. So to think that your society is so hip, no, it's not. It's just revisiting what's been dealt with in the past. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Take the instruction of the Word of God and make it a part of your life. Take this Word of God and just implant it into your life and learned how to experience the power of God so that you can stand up and speak the things of God. You do not have to be a trained minister and have to have gone to seminary or anything. I've never attended a day of seminary. Now, I've taught in seminaries, (laughs) but I've never attended a class in seminary. Never. And it's not that I'm proud of the fact. I mean, it is what it is. I was never had any formal religious instruction. And it bothers some of my colleagues on the Rice campus. The guys in the religion department have gotten upset with me. He said, students are always coming to you. You have no religious instruction. Why do you think they're coming to me then? He said, they don't come to us. I said, well, I don't blame them. There's nothing there. They're looking for life. They're looking for life. There's life in the Word of God. Let's read on. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teaching, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods through which those who were so occupied were not not benefited. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings. Remember, this is the last thing that he's saying to this group of people before they get sent off into huge persecution. He says, don't be carried away by varied and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. How will your heart, how will the spirit within you be strengthened? By grace, through the things of God. Not by foods, through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. This happens time and time again. People drift through and they say, you know, we really ought to be living by, by the, the, uh, the food regulations of the Israelites, where you shouldn't eat any, you know, you shouldn't eat pork, you shouldn't eat anything unless it has a, a cleft hoof and you choose the cud and all these things. I said, w- w- why stop there? Why not go further? Why stop there? If you feel that it's for us, to live by how the Israelites lived under the law of Moses. That was part of the 613 commandments, no doubt. But there were others among them. So, for example, you're never supposed to sit in a chair where a woman who has been in her menstrual cycle has ever sat. I'll bet you're never going to be able to sit down again. I mean, this is this is part of the law. You want, you want to be under that too? These things come and go. People say, you know, you should be on this diet, you shouldn't eat that. I have lots of dietary restrictions just because I want to put it on myself for health reasons. It has nothing to do with my faith, so I don't preach that. I want to preach Jesus Christ. He says, don't be drawn astray by all these other things. If you want to eat gluten-free, good for you. Do it. If you want to be a vegan, fine. Do it. But it has nothing to do with your heart. Your heart is not going to be any stronger because of that. Your heart is going to be, he, say, he says, don't be carried away by varied and strange teachings. For it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Your heart will be strengthened by grace, by the word of God. Turn to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. And I, and I was, I was just, just reading that this week. Because uh, uh, what I do is I, I read, read a, a, a proverb a day, actually. So, so according to the, the day of the week, and so, so I was just uh, just recently reading Proverbs chapter two, and turn we'll turn to uh, verse verse seven. So the, he, he says he says here in verse seven, Proverbs chapter two verse seven. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice. He preserves the way of his godly ones. So he goes through and he starts speaking about the wisdom of the Lord. Up in verse, up in verse six, it says, for the Lord gives wisdom. I don't know what your occupation is going to be. I have no idea. But whatever your occupation, let me give you a secret on how you can excel. He says it is in verse six, it is the Lord for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. If that be true, if that be true, how much can we pray and say, Lord, teach me this. Lord, instruct me from this. For the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. And so I pray over my work. I say, Lord, give me understanding. Lord, as I write this paper, give me clarity. Lord, this data is before me. I don't know what it means. Give me clarity. Lord, as I write this, this document, give me the hands of a scribe and a ready, ready writer. Father, let me be used of You. He says, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He says in verse, skip down to verse 10, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to you. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you. you." And then he goes in and he starts speaking about these things that will change our lives. He says, don't think that changing your diet is going to get at your heart. It might be good for your your health. You know, if you eat too much meat, you're going to get a lot of cholesterol. You're going to die young. Okay, we know that. But you want to change your heart. This is going to be done differently. It has nothing to do with strange teachings about foods. It has everything to do with getting the Word of God in your life. It is the Word of God that gives wisdom and understanding. Are you in a situation where you need wisdom? You need understanding? Ask of Him and go figure. God answers prayer. Ask of Him. It says in James chapter 4, you do not receive because you do not ask. The main reason we do not receive answers to prayer is because we flat out don't answer for prayer. Ask, we don't ask in prayer. And when we ask, we're like, Lord, show me the way. Uh, Lord, I'm waiting. Uh, you know, I just asked you. You told me to ask. That's not the way he works. It doesn't work according to your schedule. He's in no hurry. He's working on your heart. He's working on your heart. He's not a genie in a bottle that we rub that bottle and boom, the answer is there. Very different in prayer. Very different. We wrestle with him in prayer. We implore him day after day after day Lord, speak to me. Lord, give me wisdom. Because it's the experience, the being en route to getting it, that really he gets a hold of our heart. It's not just the answer. A genie gives answers. A psychic gives answers. A palm reader gives answers. The Lord's not like that. He gives us understanding. He gives us wisdom. He gives us these things. God is the one who speaks to us. He's the one who gives us this understanding. In verse 5, he sums this up in Proverbs chapter 2. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. You take this, if you cry, in verse 3, if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as her hidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. I will profess I have a huge advantage, huge advantage over those other chemists with whom I compete for funding and and and, 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 and projects. Huge. God is on my side. Think about what that does for me. God is on my side. Has nothing to do with my IQ. I pray every day. I say, Lord, give me creativity. You are the one who, it says that the the Lord, that the darkness and the light are the same to God. The darkness and the light. I say, Lord, this is darkness to all of us. We don't understand this. To you it's light. Show me, Lord. Give me creativity. Give my students creativity. And boom, just these things fall on us. Just one technology after another, one company after another. I don't know how this happens. How do you start all this? I don't know. I just pray, Lord, give me creativity. And then these things start coming. God does this sort of thing. He says, this is exactly what He says, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Imagine the knowledge of God. Whoa, this is huge. You want to discover the knowledge of God? He says, if you make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding, if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding, this is what will change your heart. Not your food, not your diet, not all these other silly little things you're going to hear throughout your lives. Oh, this, this is really what you got to do. This is what you got to do. Don't believe. He says, don't be carried away by strange teachings. Get this Word of God in your heart and you'll be alright. These are the final words. The final words that He's sharing with them before he knows that they're going to undergo great persecution. It's like the final words of a father to their children. The final words of a father to his children as he's sending them off to war. This is what he's filling our hearts with. These are treasures, absolute treasures. Fill your heart with these things. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, for the truth of the word of God. Take this word and just sear it right into the hearts of these young people. At this impressionable age, this age where their neurons are firing at this tremendous rate, Father, let them remember this word, to remember those who've instructed them in the word of God and not to drift from your word. To take these practices And, Father, make it a part of their lives. Lord Jesus, fill them with this, I pray. Let them remember and follow and imitate that faith, Lord. Father, I pray that you get a hold of their hearts. Get a hold of their hearts, Lord, I pray. And let them follow you for the glory of Jesus. Father, for those here who do not know you. Lord, I pray that they would pray this day. Lord, Forgive me because I am a sinner and come into my life. Wash me clean of my sin. Wash me, I pray, O Lord. Father, I pray that you would give us salvations, that you would save souls. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.